Hello and welcome to episode four of series three of The Educators. My name is Angela Fares and I'm the founder of Full Circle Educational Consultancy. And we work within the innovation through inclusion space with international and independent schools. I'm very, very pleased to welcome today Leo Thompson. Good morning, Leo. You're in Prague, I believe. Good morning. Yes. Um, nice to meet you again, Angela, and thanks for inviting me on. Well, Leo, we're, we're introducing you on to this. this. This series is about online schools and, and the increasingly important place they have in the education world. And um, I know that you're working, doing some work with CIS, the Council of International Schools at the moment, looking at that. But let's let's learn a little bit about you as a person first. So you're an independent education consultant who lives in Vienna and you do a significant amount of work, as I said before, on behalf of the Council of International Schools or CIS. You were born in Tasmania, which is very exotic, to English parents. And then you moved to the UK as a toddler where you grew up prior to becoming an educator in your late 20s and moving abroad. And you've also worked in both mechanical engineering and IT. And despite having several degrees in English related subjects in educational leadership, which again probably explains your eclectic interest today. As an educator and school leader for 20 years and a journey that took you from the UK to the UAE, Oman and to Austria, where you're now based with your family. Your interest in innovation, I'm pleased to to have a chat with you about, in, uh, stems from uh, your technology and engineering background, but also your fascination for how quality learning can vary and differ according to context. And this really explains your interest in online schools, I think. And you've been coordinating the work with CIS to learn about this fast moving sector. In addition, you, you have so many strings to your bow, Leo. You support and visit schools and guide and support them in the development and accreditation journey. You're very much focused on well-being, global citizenship and how quality learning is a dynamic arena that shifts around culture and context. And even though your work takes up most of your time, you facilitate workshops on student leadership for Generation Z because this is what you feel the world really needs and that this technology and generation will bring something very different to the workplace. And I guess almost your twin boys are included in that who I've just found out are nine years old so you have a vested interest in in the the education of the younger people right now as well absolutely and um, wow it actually sounds more impressive than I am I have to say no, I'm but, very uh, impressed Leo <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm, I'm sure I can live I hope I can live up to the billing now but uh, <laughs> no and uh, it, it certainly has been a very interesting background and and I think you know with the work that you're doing um, with your full circle agency. I'm looking forward to having a good conversation with you today about this space of innovation. Well, well, thank you. We, I mean, we, as you know, we've been working quite a lot with online schools and schools looking to move into hybrid learning and the opportunity that that brings to everybody. It's not just for COVID. So tell me a little bit about CIS and your role with them and, and what's been your involvement in the online market through CIS since COVID? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, as you know, probably better than me, it's such a fast moving space, a fast moving area. And I think it's fair to say that um, prior to the pandemic, let's call it, we were working solely in what we would call physical or presential you know, schools, noting that during the pandemic, so many schools were forced online. It wasn't something they wanted to do. And uh, they were having to pivot almost overnight, flick a switch and deliver uh, either fully online or, or hybrid style learning. And um, we became increasingly aware of um, during that time, the amount of schools that were sort of 
deciding just to set up uh, either another wing uh, intentionally online or in their own right, fully intentionally online and not offering presential, you know, physical sort of learning. And um, I guess we became really, really curious uh, at first, I think we were uh, as an organization and, you know, I have to, I'm not specifically representing CIS today, but I think I, I can sort of distinguish where it's my opinion and theirs. But we were, I think the word curious really to learn about this space, but with caution as well, because uh, one area that CIS is absolutely committed to is quality assurance. And we just felt we didn't know enough. And, and um what CIS decided to do was to form a sort of an internal working group just to learn about this sector and try and understand what the implications were for, for us and our membership and for the services uh, for these schools so that we could go forward um, in not very much time at all, really, because we know it's such a, a burgeoning sector. Yeah, I mean, and you and I have had conversations over the last year or so about the online market. And how do you think things have changed from um, how they were maybe two years ago, even or even pre-COVID to now? Yeah, it's a really, it's a big question, isn't it? Because so much has changed so fast and we've yet to see the dust settle. And it's it's sort of, I would say it's an accelerating sort of growth sector. At first, I think, you know, it's a bit of a bandied term now, a bit of a cliche, you know, but I think we are beginning to see the, the new norm, so to speak, a more, a more sort of settled structure. Um, schools are going back, the physical schools are going back uh, onto site and um, the online schools are becoming better at what they do. They're, they're learning from feedback and we're sort of I think seeing a more a slightly more stable space. I think it's probably still too early uh, to say that. But I think one massive takeaway is that everybody's learned a lot um, about how best to do this and how how best to I say deliver. I think facilitate perhaps um, sort of quality learning, both on, in a hybrid sense and in a fully online sense. And and you and I talk quite a lot about <laughs> schools and what schooling is and what schooling needs. And, and it's certainly changed over the last two years in terms of of what I think a school is, um, having worked with many different education establishments. Um, and what, what would you say your definition of a school is? We had a, a, lo- a little chat about this a few weeks ago, because I know CIS are also looking at what is a school, because obviously to accredit a school, you need to know what a school is. So so what do you think a school is now? And, and how does that differ? Or does it differ at all to how it was before? Yeah, it's a really great question. And, and we did, we had to reflect on this. And we had to think about what the implications were for our standards as well, because we do generally aim to cover all areas of school life in the scope of our standards and different domains. So there was um, a lot of reflection and sort of introspection uh, about the nature of schooling. And CIS, and I think it's, it's safe to share this um, here, but what, what CIS has been looking at is education that really provides for the whole education of students. So it, in a sense, that it takes responsibility for their education. 
And we also latch on what we think are some really important ideas to that, which is welfare and safeguarding of students as well, which is something that CIS, as I'd say, it's always held as a priority and in recent years has really pushed that to the fore of our work. So I think ideas that cluster around whole responsibility and welfare and, and safeguarding, uh, which I guess, you know, going back to what you said earlier, could be parallel to a physical school uh, and in no different in that sense, but it might look different. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wondered, I mean, I've, I've been working with some schools and they're looking at, you know, there's, there's some schools looking at the metaverse and how to kind of bring a holistic education through the metaverse. There's the schools that are looking to bring in what the students are doing outside the school into the school by sharing on a digital platform, uh, particularly in, in terms of, online schools contribution to international mindedness and 21st century learning what what are your thoughts on that in terms of how what part they play in that yeah it's another great question isn't it and um what we've learned and and i'll go back to that phrase because it's ongoing learning but what we've noticed is that um just like with uh, i would call them physical international schools we've got many different sort of typologies different types of school offering um, services to diverse and sometimes actually quite homogenous cultural groups. So, you know, some of these schools may have as many as, uh, I know a couple of our schools in our group have more than 100 nationalities in their student, amongst their students and staff, and, and some of them actually very few. But at the same would go with the international um, sort of online schooling sector or if they call themselves a British school or an American school, does it doesn't really matter. What we're learning is that these schools can attract students from across the world in different nations, uh, in different places, um, synchronously and asynchronously. Uh, and so this is really a, a fascinating area. So I think with international mindedness, there is an opportunity to in just in the same way that you would have in physical presential schools have students um, mixing learning about that sort of deeper aspect of international mindedness about habits and beliefs and you know ways of seeing the world cultural traditions things that are profoundly uh, connected to people's identity and I think that, that that intercultural learning could be just as powerful as in the in the physical sense, if you like, and um, the twenty first century learning piece, of course, is is very apposite here, as we move into a world which uh, is more flexible, is more dynamic, that can leverage uh, technology in a way that students can become more empowered and independent and take more ownership of their learning, as well. So there's no reason that our online schools can't run with that and if in many ways perhaps even exceed with that ambition. Yeah, I mean, I, I was um, at a fantastic conference last week, um, ECIS, which was looking all at inclusion and international mindedness and had many interesting conversations with heads all over the world about what inclusion really looks like and international mindedness and, and explaining to everyone that, you know, in an online school, whereas when I was head of a school in Singapore, I had kids from many different nationalities in in one class but within the Singapore context in an online school they are in a class and they're all in their home countries so really the the qualities and the international mindedness of the teachers and the leaders at that online school needs to be 
really excellent because you have to understand the context in which all of your students are currently living or at least give them an opportunity to share that and what do you think about that opportunity for international schools um, through online learning yeah i think they they can do it i think you goes back i mean a lot to the sort of intention behind the curriculum and the way that the curriculum is designed and um, or some schools i think all in fact all international schools i would say probably enrich their curriculum uh, the ones that they sort of as I say take down or um, have from the government uh, you know that they subscribe to uh, or the curriculum body they're authorized with they're, they're I think redesigning and enriching and uh, adjusting them for local context and their student demographic and I think online schools can do that very effectively but what I would say about it though is that it does require a high degree of intentionality you really do need to set it as a goal. And it's not enough just to say, oh, we'll mix the kids up and they'll take care of itself. It's really important to have design behind it and also teacher training because very few, I mean, I can speak for myself, how many of us actually, when we did our teacher training, had international mindedness or intercultural learning at the centre of it? I certainly didn't. And I think that's something that schools need to intentionally um, support with their staff. Yeah, I mean, I, I would totally agree. And, and and actually, some of the schools I've worked with have mentioned that the challenge of teachers, you know, just opening a class and not really knowing what's going on in that country in that time at that space and asking how everyone is and something's happened in the country that no one is aware of. So, so definitely in terms of your attention to well-being, understanding the the sensitivities that may be going on in a student's life that day, um, if they're in Afghanistan or Kazakhstan or they're in Moscow and 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 everyone else is somewhere else. So working with international online and independent schools you know, at, at Full Circle, we've seen that it's a different kind of teacher that's needed to be really interculturally sensitive, but also aware of what's happening in the countries that the students are in. Um, I mentioned before, if you're in Singapore, everyone is in the, the, the social and the, the real context of Singapore, whereas online you've got students who are in different countries at different times experiencing different things and and how do you think in terms of personally but also as as somebody who works with um, alongside CIS accrediting bodies should look at that uh, in terms of teacher training and the well-being of students and how that's addressed it was a great great question you you, cut, you sort of touched on a number of things that sort of intercultural aspect and understanding the, the cultures which is you know essential to the identity of the students but then also that local space in terms of what's happening the issues that they may be confronted with and in the concerns which obviously links back to well-being and and both both are sides of inclusion in their own right um as you mentioned earlier um i think there's a lot to be said for that. And there, we, in fact, we do, not, not to be nerdy, we do have standards that relate to those areas and um, do encourage that. It has implications for teacher training. It, it really is the essence of, I'd say, the DNA of international schools that they would include the background of the students and uh, their view of the world and, 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 and actually just make it very relevant. And I think that's, that's a big, important word in education, making learning relevant to students who are overseas. You know, so if you're delivering a, a British education system, obviously you're, you will 
uh, have students understand the British values, but what are the values um, that they can bring that are important from their culture? You know, what's the common ground, but also what's different and, and having those discussions. And then I guess more recently, with conversations about the current political situation and situation in Ukraine, there's, you know, schools needing to have conversations about what essentially links to mental health, which is people's sense of trauma and concern and worry, and having those delicate conversations with students in in the classrooms. And I don't think that makes a difference whether it's uh, physical or online. Schools still need to navigate that and be inclusive and recognise that those are current talking points that, that schools can really help students with in terms of their um, sense of safety and well-being and need to express themselves. And you've been, not, maybe not personally visiting, but been involved over the last year or so in kind of looking into online schools, those who've uh, applied for membership to CIS and are looking for accreditation. What would you say about those that have been successful on their journey so far? What's what's made them appropriate, I guess, for, for membership for CIS? Thanks. Uh, yeah, another great question. Um, CIS um, has what we call four drivers, um, which are sort of profound big ideas that can be seen weaving their way through our sort of standards. So one is the, the school's sense of purpose and direction, its mission, its vision, its values. You know, what does it stand for? What's its identity? Another one is obviously high quality learning. It has to be. It's the, you know, the function and goals of, of schools well-being and and global citizenship so what we're looking for is a commitment to those areas but also what we call a code of ethics as well that cis feels very strongly about Uh, and that has ideas cemented in there about treating people with dignity and respect and a culture of care aiming for excellence and 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 also those sort of big four ideas that we've just talked about there in the drivers so schools that can show that those are real you know they mean what they say and they are committed to those areas are schools that we really want to talk to and hear from because we feel that um, those four areas put together are really the essence of um, you know powerful meaningful safe and supportive schooling well, I've been very, very grateful and impressed by your open mindedness and that of CIS to, to talk to me and people like me about the possibilities of online schooling. This open mindedness is something when I, when I came in two years ago in, into this market, having left headship of physical schools, it was very much a we can't do anything as an online school because accreditation is a challenge. But, but you know, CIS is clearly leading the way internationally and pleased to say that the DFE is is starting to inspect and accredit on a voluntary basis, albeit initially this September. So what do you imagine the future of international schooling will look like? And and what part will online schools play in that future? Do they have a future in it? Was it just a fad for, for kind of, and is it going to kind of fade in the next few years after COVID? What are your personal thoughts on that? Wow, here's, here's an opportunity to get myself in the hot water. Now, that's, that's a great question. And, and I think one could predict, you know, and I think with the trend of technology and the way that things are moving, that um, these schools are here to stay. They're not going away. Uh, they may take different forms. There'll be more of them. They will probably get better at what they do. I think they 
there is a market out there and I think you need to talk about that and you know that market I think that's that's really uh, a lot of what you do isn't it with with full circle is understanding that space and supporting those schools uh, it's only going to grow and I think what is great and we the more organizations that are looking at these schools and supporting them as well as holding them to account is a good thing and so with the DFE and their trials that they've got in other countries as well um, I think in the US actually they may be further down the road with it because these online schools have existed for quite some time that's only a good thing and, and CIS we accredit we don't accredit the program we accredit the school and um, we are happy to see other organisations looking at schools as well uh, accreditation comes from the word um, to vouch originally uh, and uh, whilst we vouch for them it's also very pleasing to see other schools and I think uh, organizations rather who build that confidence that, that schools are trying to do the right thing by their students and deliver on their promises so I think that we'll see a lot more of that and we we hope that is the case other organizations government level supporting and looking into these schools and I think also that just adds an opportunity to sort of mutual learning space so we can yeah, see what absolutely. others are doing what they deem to be very important and we can learn mm. from that too so Leo thank you so much for your open-mindedness for your forward thinking and for your willingness to kind of discuss the the online school market with me and I know with other people over the last few years and for for making such a difference in the market that you're in I, I'm going to leave you now to go away and enjoy your holiday in Prague with your with your family which includes your two nine-year-old twin sons that's correct. Hopefully off to the zoo for a physical experience uh, this afternoon. But it's been a pleasure talking to you and, and also trying to understand this, what I call complementary space, where these schools can coexist together as well. So, And thank you for all of the work and sharing that you've done about this area as well, Angela, um, because we know that um, you are a source and fund of wisdom in your own right as well. So thanks again. Thanks, Leo. And, and collaboration is the key, isn't it? And, and making sure that online and physical and hybrid schools all provide a space for success for all students is, is the most important thing. Absolutely agree with you. So thanks again and all the best. Thank you very much. Enjoy your holiday, Leo. That's it for another insightful episode with Angela Fairs from Full Circle. And thank you for listening. To get in touch with Angela, check out her website. It's fullcircle-education.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.